The last couple of years have seen a whole spate of technology-enabled startups set up shop and thrive. However, technology is a double-edged sword, which, while an enabler, could also be an enterprise's greatest weakness. With many technology startups having to focus on functionality, operation, and speed to market, that are mantras that rule in this highly competitive environment, how can an organization ensure that security is built into the technology infrastructure rather than being bolted on? Hi, this is Varun Haran, Principal Correspondent for Information Security Media Group. To share some insight on this, I'm speaking today with Diogo Monica, who's senior member of IEEE and the security lead at open app development platform Docker. Diogo will be speaking to us about some of the common mistakes startups are making when it comes to cloud and security, in addition to providing some recommendations on how to remediate these issues. Hi, Diogo. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Varun. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, Diogo. Diogo, what are the top mistakes that you see startups regularly make when it comes to security and the cloud? And if you can give me some context on how you ended up as a go-to person who's addressing these issues for startups. Absolutely. I'll take the latter one first. I currently work for Docker, Modern Silicon Valley. I'm also, as you mentioned, a senior IEEE volunteer, which means that I talk a lot about technology and I interact a lot with people that are essentially changing technology. And for the past five years that I've been here in uh, San Francisco and Silicon Valley, I've done everything from um, advising startups, and I'm currently uh, advising startups on security issues or just on technology issues, but also consulting in uh, as an incident responder or sometimes as uh, merely an architect of security solutions. So um, for the past five years, I've seen dozens of companies uh, in varying stages of their evolution and varying stages of their, let's say, security maturity. And I've seen patterns. I started to see patterns around the security mistakes, around the security issues that they were actually finding in um, as time went on. And so I started creating these patterns. I started understanding exactly what was happening. And I decided to compile them into um, the top mistakes that startups were doing. But the focus was on mistakes that are really hard to fix afterwards, after you're a successful company. So the mistakes that are going to cost you the most. Right. So can you walk us through what some of these security mistakes are and what have you found in your analysis? Absolutely. So I, w I classify the mistakes as um, production mistakes and corporate mistakes. I think the corporate environment mistakes are really interesting because they usually are the ones that lead the most directly to compromise. If we, if we start from the corporate mistakes, which are usually the ones that are least considered, um, as you know, every, it's very common for attackers to target laptops directly, your engineer's laptops, the person with access. And usually these attacks are very unsophisticated. So the attacks are very unsophisticated, unfortunately, are the attacks that people don't try to protect against early on. Something like phishing or something like having a USB pen being dropped close to your office and you plugging it in or having um, so convincing something so, so somebody gets uh, malware on their computer and that's a pivot point for attackers to come into your company. Those are usually the ways that people get compromised, even nowadays. Uh, you saw this in the past couple of years with the uh, compromises of Twitter, Facebook. We know that Google Aurora was very similar. And consistently, all of these media headlines of a lot of attacks are essentially, at the end of the day, the compromise of a security engineer or an engineer in the company that allows them to pivot. And so in the corporate environment, I think people from early on on startups have this problem. There's unmanaged laptops being given out to people, but there's no security posture on, on the laptops. 
So anywhere from simple things like having full disk encryption, that should be absolutely mandatory from day one because data loss will happen, laptops will get stolen, uh, all the way to things such as disable Flash, disable Java, install adblock extensions, make sure that people are using the password manager and they're not making up their own passwords. So things like this on the corporate side have always been really important and uh, we're the ones that I've seen people try to fix when they're up to 300 or up to 1,000 employees, which is obviously at that point uh, impossible. And and people don't have the culture of doing things the right way. In particular, password managers and having good hygiene around passwords is something that you have to instill from day one, not something that you instill on day 400 and something, a year and something after the company is there. Right. Um, on the corporate side, uh, there were other mistakes that were, the, the majority of them, that were particularly interesting. Mistakes around, I, I fit them into categories, um, TLS, um, mistakes around web security, obviously passwords and the way that they're interacting in the production environment, and mistakes of infrastructure. Um, I think the, the highlights are on TLS, a lot of people are starting without transport layer security, so without the green lock that everybody likes to see on, on browsers. And that is an absolute mistake because it becomes really hard later on to get rid of the insecure items or the insecure resources that are being loaded. So really starting from full HTTPS from day one, so the first thing you do on your website is enable get a certificate uh, and enable HTTPS completely on. And even enable tools uh, or headers on the browser that allow you to guarantee that everything is about to be HTTPS. It is such a leveraged move because I don't know if you, if you know this example, but Facebook until um, 2012 was not using HTTPS. It took Facebook, which is a big organization, uh, almost two years to be able to migrate from their HTTP previous infrastructure to a full HTTPS where the login was secure and everything was secure. Right. And the reason for that is that they obviously started off with HTTP very early on. They were a social network. Nobody's going to want to hack a social network. Why do we need HTTPS? So a lot of the, the things that I hear people say to me is, oh, Diogo, don't worry. We have HTTPS on the login, which is what matters. Uh, or we don't need HTTPS because we're only sharing pictures. Uh, and, and they don't understand that in both these situations, credentials can be stolen, right? If you're over HTTP, doesn't matter what's happening, credentials can be stolen. And if you only have security on your login, credentials can also be stolen by using uh, injection attacks and essentially feeding malicious JavaScript on the HTTP connection. So that, that's a big one. HTTPS from day one is a big one. Uh, additional things that are also incredibly big is uh, mistakes around simple things. Let's call a startup a random name, IEEE Startup One. Okay. IEEE Startup One has a name and decides that they want to create a website. The interesting thing about it is that they're going to be a small team, they're going to be disorganized, they want to be focused on their product. So the first thing they're going to do, they're going to get a domain, IEEE Startup One.com, and then they're going to put blog.IEEE Startup And immediately this, this decision of putting blog on your main domain where you're going to put your website, that is immediately a mistake. Not only it's a mistake, it's a mistake that they are going to have a lot of trouble getting off of. And so hosting everything under a certain domain seems a very simple thing, but it will hinder you, it will require you years of engineering time fixed later on. So the reason for this is that the fact that you are sharing the domain means that there's a series of attacks that can be done uh, by by the fact that this top domain is uh, is shared. For example, if this situation where you have blocked blog.domain means that blog, if it gets compromised, and usually blogs will get compromised because they're 
WordPress or their Drupal or there's something that is managed by somebody else that the security team doesn't really care because it's not a production system. But now you're vulnerable on your main domain on cookie stealing, cookie eviction, session station attack, et cetera, et cetera. So just that simple decision. I'm going to create a domain and I'm going to put blog on the domain immediately just got you a world of pain later on solved. So as you see, very simple decisions lead to very complex recoveries later on. So these are really the kinds of recommendations that I like to give startups immediately right off the bat because I know they're going to hit it because it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a payments company or if you're a disappearing picture startup, you will hit these problems and you will regret by not fixing them earlier or later. If you could comment on how startups can actually start focusing on security early on, because like I said, in the beginning, the focus is obviously going to be on surviving, scaling up and building the business out, etc. And security often gets delegated to a lesser priority. So when you're building up infrastructure, like you said, right at the beginning, how do you make sure that you have security as one of the aspects that you want to really hit right on in the beginning? Absolutely. That's a great question. I'll take two different things. The number one is you have to choose an environment that is conductive to have good security. And right now, the reality is that if you're starting a company, there is no reason why you shouldn't use somebody else's infrastructure. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be using AWS, so Amazon's infrastructure, or Azure, Microsoft's infrastructure, or even Google's infrastructure. The reality is that they're incredibly good at detection of malicious behavior. They have tools that do logging, which will take you in your company six months to implement full logging. Offsite logging uh, will take you six months to implement. And there are things that are very easy to enable and immediately provide you a security uh, posture that is totally different. So in that sense, if you're a company, you should absolutely go to Amazon, um, AWS, enable CloudTrail from day one, enable VPCs from day one. And there are very simple things like enable multi-factor authentication for every single engineer from day one. And just these three little steps, the fact that you're using this means that you will be able to use other tools in the ecosystem, in the Amazon ecosystem, that are going to give you a lot better security without you actually actually have to invest effort into it. So that would be the first, the number one. If you are creating a startup, you should go immediately to the environment that you know are going to give you the best tools and the best security. Because you could do hosting by yourself, you could go to other companies that don't provide you the ability to do log trail or the ability to have uh, other security tools and auditing that are automated. You could make that decision, but you shouldn't. The second thing is about people. You don't necessarily need a security engineer, a good security engineer that comes in very early on in your company. I mean, if you are a company that has um, financial implications, so it's moving money, uh, it's doing something new with Bitcoin, you should absolutely get a security engineer within your first 10 hires, so somebody that is going to be full-time on it. But the reality is that you can have engineers that are really good and to have good security posture. So to create a secure environment, you don't need to be a security engineer. You just need to be aware of what is out there and what's already been done. In particular, it's important to not reinvent the wheel. There are very good open source projects out there that do secret management. There are very good open source projects right there. There are handling um, digital signature of, um, of images that get deployed to your infrastructure um, that are logging and alerting on malicious behavior of your application. There are frameworks that are really good at protecting um, your, your websites. I'm going to say Ruby on Rails because it's the one that I'm uh, most familiar with uh, that allow you to essentially solve classes of problems right out of the bat. And by using these tools, by using these frameworks, by not reinventing the wheel, and just using these open source um, software tools that are out there, and some of them, I would say a large majority of them, are incredibly good, you can save yourself a lot of pain later on.
And you know, interesting, you mentioned that uh, more, a lot of these startups don't have security engineers and don't need security engineers. You know, I've asked this question several times before for uh, startups that are focusing on just building out the app or building out the technology. How do you incentivize an SDLC kind of a culture? How do you incentivize that culture of building security in? I mean, how do you, how do you convince people to kind of take that path when you have an engineer who's not necessarily a security oriented person? So I think the big answer to that question is you have to make it easy for them to do the right security. So I've always been a big proponent that you should make security easy and make insecure obvious. So that following that pattern, well, what that means is that it is not hard for an engineer that, let's say, it's implementing a password store or an authentication service to use Bcrypt as a hashing mechanism instead of using SHA-256 directly. It is not fundamentally hard. So what you want to give them is you want to give them the best documentation and the best tools or the best framework or the best gym or the best software package that does Bcrypt in a way that it's actually easier to do it than it is to go do the wrong thing. So that's, that's kind of like the posture that I've always taken here. So at, at the previous companies and at, uh, at consulting gigs, what that means is that people are going to come in and want to get started really fast and they want to get started on new applications all the time. So one of the things that I invested in is fixing and securing the application template. Everybody's going to start from a company's application template. So let's use again the example of Ruby on Rails. If you have Ruby on Rails and that's what your company does and develops, then you can secure the framework, add security features to the framework, add hashing to the framework, and provide developers a lot of things that come for free when they need it. So if they want to start passwords, they will use the thing that is already available and that everybody else is using. Because again, secure is easy and then secure will be obvious because you're going against the framework. So this is always the posture that I've had on very early on investing into the tools, into the frameworks to make sure that developers, when they recreate and when they copy paste code and when they go and copy paste the applications to create a new one, they do so in a secure fashion. That's the thing that I've done that has been most successful. Interesting. What I hear you say is that you need to enable the developers with the right tools to make security obvious. Then I think I come to a question where you say, who are these people who are making this enablement? So is it going to be the founders of the company, the management? So what is the kind of strategic view to security that they should be taking? So for the founders, absolutely should take a longer term view of what security means. I think at the end of the day, security in a lot of the cases means very good operational IG. So it means you being good at infrastructure operations. And that means that usually the right decision that scales better and the right decision that allows you to have better segmented access control is also, turns out, the right decision for security, um, which is, um, it's not obvious in all cases, but it ends up being true. So it's really about trade-offs. It's about how realistic and how much do you actually believe that your company can succeed. Because if your company is going to be here in a year, you are essentially doing a bad trade-off by ignoring uh, these examples or the examples like the ones that I give. And I usually go into that conversation. So the problem is that for people to either talk to me or for people to either hire me, what that means is that they've already started thinking about these issues and they're already bringing somebody in uh, to, to talk about the issue, which is already one step, um, one step forward more than people that are not even thinking about the issue. As far as people that are not thinking about the issue at all, I think, unfortunately, that breaches that we've had in the past uh, few years have been very, very, very uh, visible. It's been everyone, so we know that nobody's safe anywhere from car companies to social networks to uh, financial companies, banks, and people are starting to get the message. Unfortunately, the other thing is that we're also seeing a lot of operational people, uh, the big ops, uh, let's call them, uh, that are setting up your servers and that are setting up your data centers, use better tools. Again, I'm going back to one of the best examples that I like to give, which is AWS and using CloudTrail. 
to stat gives you six months of work that you'd have to do by yourself implementing an offsite um, log centralized logging uh, mechanism that you get for free by just being in an environment that allows you to do that. So the reality is that as time goes on, doing the right things is also becoming more obvious for everyone because people keep rebuilding similar infrastructures and there's a lot more sharing lately, a lot more open source lately, and a lot more uh, advice uh, openly and out there that is actually really good advice about how to start that. So I'm becoming less and less worried about the basic stuff as time, as time goes on and become more focused on people that are actually doing something different. So cryptographic protocols or trying to invent something new. I think the basics in a couple of years will be very much set in stone. Great. Sounds good, Diego. Thanks so much for taking time out. No worries. Thank you. Right. So that was Diego Monica for IEEE and security lead at Docker. For ISMG Asia, this is Varun Haran. Thanks for listening.